here we go. As I was just explaining, um, first of all, I apologize for not having any content for the last two weeks. Although last week the tribe got together, we just had some conversations that were better kept to the tribe um, while we were kind of just sorting things out. There's definitely been new energy since the new year. And I think part of what's going on was the manifestation of that. Let me put a little more, a finer point to that, that um, January 11th is a special day in my world because it was the day that um, my wife, Babby, passed. I remember clearly pulling her hand as she drifted off that day. But then there were other synchronicities when I think of my son was born on 11-11. So I, I have had, um, looking back at it, some divine help from, you know, within my family. And I can see they're all kind of the same person I was, who when I decided to come into this incarnation, I wasn't going to need a lot of supervision. So, uh, you know, I came into divorced parents and a father who wasn't that old, much older than I was. And anyway, um, I was destined to, you know, carve out where I was going to go on my own. And so, you know, Alex is a lot like that. Uh, my wife was a lot like that. She was a year and a day older than I was. So, you know, we're, we Capricorns, we got it when we got it. Anyhow, so uh, what happened the other night, and I was certainly sitting in on Dave's podcast, the conversation eventually came around to what happened in Miami. And I think it's important that we go on the record because, you know, I did make some remarks, but it wasn't until we stopped recording. Um, Robin was there, Nate was there, and they were making their own observations, which um, I wanted to allow that flow to take place. Today, if we decide to follow up on it, would be the day that, you know, we would. But since that's happened and I had some time to reflect back on it and listen to, I relied a lot on what Nate said because he put a lot of time and research into listening other um, witnesses and kind of assessing the whole situation. So I'm not gonna go into the detail of the police presence and what that might have represented. I just wanna get to the point where somebody somehow captured some beyond earth sentience. And um, it wasn't just one. I'm sure that over time, with as many people as were there, but I saw the crowd scatter. So, you know, how many people really stood there and, and you know, videotaped it on their phone? I'm sure that other copies of these are going to come around. Um, what I did just see recently was like a drone shot, and it was so pixelated like that you really couldn't tell what you were seeing other than, you know, when they pointed at the blob and they said, oh, yeah, these are these things by the police cars. Um, all that aside, I believe that the observation that Robin made was probably the most likely one and that it's, there was some type of a dimensional slip where whether that was intentional or not, the, the veil got pulled back a little bit. And so you got to see some things that typically are all around us all the time in that dimension. 
And when the conditions are right and your vibration's high enough, you'll actually see them. Now, what I was thinking over the last few days was, you know, would the vibration have been right for that to take place? Um, you know, if I was to assess it, I would say, you know, Miami, that's pretty low vibration. Um, and I don't know that that phenomenon would be there. But the day that this is going to finally begin to happen and on a more regular basis, it's not going to be in any way that we would have modeled in our heads. And the idea that um, embracing the notion of multidimensionality should be first in people's minds first. Get used to the idea that this environment exists. And then we can deal with the details of you know, who that is and what it is. I can certainly see that there was a faction that freaked out just like we expected them to be, you know, based on their conditioning and what they've been led to believe aliens represent. Um, but there was just as many people that, you know, weren't. So, you know, I see this balance of people that are just aware and willing to accept something beyond themselves. That's what's changing. And there wasn't, you know, that's got to come from within people. Maybe, you know, enough time has passed and your trigger has come along and the things that you thought that you knew and you, you know, really didn't question before were to a point where this is going to happen. I had always wondered what the first contact was actually going to look like and where it was going to take place and how and, um, <laughs> There was a lot of 3D thinking invested into that, you know, thought pattern. Um, we're, we don't know. It's going to be magnificent and strange all at the same time for people who aren't ready for this. But I guess if we're going to bang a drum, we're going to bang the drum that this stuff is imminent. It's going to happen. We're trying to prepare you the best we can so that when you see it, you don't freak out because in the end, this is a marvel. What we're about to be exposed to from higher dimensional expressions, um, we've, humanity has waited a long time to get here. So I'm going to open up the floor a little bit. Dave, you were there. So I want to ask and see if you have a perspective you want to share. Uh, sure. Um, I was banging my drum 35 years ago. And if this gets people to bang the drum, damn. Uh, the dimensionality is always something to consider when beyond earth sentience show up. I liked what Robin had to say, and she kept it shorter. And it was very focused and very clear. Um. One of the things that I mentioned to Nathan and to you and Robin and our audience that evening was that it no longer matters where these appearances show up. It no longer matters what form they take. It no longer matters if it's a direct landing with physicality and they're exchanging gifts. 
or if it's like the Miami instance where they were phasing in and out and then ultimately sort of disappeared. Um, and it doesn't matter, and I'll tell you why. I use the term doesn't matter because there's two types of event that's occurring. There's the controlled narrative from the 3D fear box, and then there's the real stuff that happens. And the voice of reason is spread every time from now on, from Miami onward, every time Black Ops or DARPA, Project Harp, whoever's involved with generating three-dimensional sky images of ships or entities or any of that stuff, all they're doing is helping us. Every time some black ops agency thinks they're going to create a, a false landing UFO thing, who cares? Because we know they're real. And so they can play their games for themselves. It's like they're playing a, a, a real expensive video game. But all it does is spread the word of extraterrestrial life beyond Earth sentience. For all the people who have never considered or even gave it two minutes thought in a month, every time some news flash comes up with what, however they want to call them, it's good for the community because it makes people think about other life forms other than the ones that they're either eating, manipulating, or part of themselves. So it's wonderful. So it doesn't matter to me if Miami was a hoax or if Miami was real. It only matters to me when I have contact. And it's interesting because that's part of my philosophy about what, why would I ever question you and Talos? Why would I ever question Paula's search for the divine or Robin's understanding of the divine king and queenship? I don't question any of that. My experience myself was so out of this world and so far out, wonderful and unusual and exotic. And I know it happened to me. So I never doubt anything I hear anymore. If someone says that they were taken away to another planet, I just send them love and support. I think that's brilliant. The more that happens to humans, the better, because it sure, sure woke my ass up. <laughs> you know, when the visit to Telos finally really cognated for me that's when i giggled to myself and thought that whatever efforts to suppress any of this going on how can you stop somebody from having multi-dimensional experiences you can't and you know I, there's a reason i think that i've been walking this like a tightrope between um just putting out exactly what's happened to me in with a louder microphone um, or just to kind of keep it quiet for a little bit longer um, so that, you know, when the time for me to actually come out and Dave to actually come out and Paula to actually come out, uh, people be a little bit more ready for it. And we won't appear to have set them up with information that we already knew. I know in my head that um, people will, they find things to believe in. We all do. This is how we come to our conclusions. And so, you know, with as much chaos as in the world, I am certain that part of the tribe's responsibility is to give them something else to believe in. This stuff, 
where I was, you know, really determined not to step on somebody else's sovereign toes. And I certainly didn't want to create any more trials, you know, with karmic cords that I was attaching to somebody, you know, unbeknownst to myself um, to, to feed them information. I thought that that wasn't my place. Well, I've been corrected several times since then. That's, that's exactly part of my role is to help people see the things that I saw so that they open themselves up for it. Then you're going to have your own multidimensional experiences. And pretty soon they're going to be on TV like that Miami incident was. And we'll have a better way to unpack it. And people will be a little more open to the idea that, yes, it's likely to happen. Something just tells me we're getting closer to that. So when it all kind of coincided with the new moon, that's where I started back on the 11th and all of this, just there's a flow of energy that just just shifted. And so I'm kind of, I feel like I'm riding the crest here a little bit. Well, I, I certainly believe that they want us to believe in ourselves. So it's like, we, we want, we want people to find these things for themselves but no matter how hard we work at expressing our unique experience, it still will not be as powerful as the day that comes when they all decide to come down. They all be in my friends and your friends and our galactic family. Um, there's a reason for the way things are unfolding. In a lot of respects, I think that even our own governments uh, and the agencies that are beyond government. It's almost not right to use the word government because certainly these parties that are thinking they're in control of the narrative are not really part of the government. They're the ultra government. They're the ultra group that does whatever they want with no uh, legal or perceptual ramifications to the decision-making process. But I know from recent conversations and messages I've received from my friends that everything's going to be fine and it's happening soon, like now. And I was on with you several times over the last week or two saying it's it's coming and they're coming now. Yeah, that's right. And you went out and saw some ships in Arizona and then my friend in Europe had the two telomeres and then sent me a photograph of one of the entities that came down to visit. And I have another one of an entity standing in a field of wheat, looking over the top of the wheat at him from about, gosh, not more than 30 meters. He's just walking through the wheat, enjoying himself in the grass. And uh, he came down just to get a little mother nature. So they're exposing themselves to us in the way that they know is right for us. And in a lot of ways, I think that this ultra government, this ultra group is actually being manipulated now by them. And for all of the human beings who go through Akashic rituals from a diver divergent pathway, not the one of pure light and pure love, there's also Akashic records that deal with not necessarily that great of stuff. Uh, black magic, uh, ritualism, things like that. For all the human beings that think that they're 
in a form of power control that manipulate uh, the reality around them because of their evil doings. They're no more in control of the planet than an ant. And they're all being told this right now, and they're all still being removed. There's little snippets in the news that I'm not going to repeat. But in the mainstream media, every once in a while, something leaks out, something important about exposing uh, some bad behavior from many, many officials. And this is all part of the process of eliminating them. All of this will be concluded by 2024. So whatever happens, it is for our benefit. And like I've said in the past, when they work with me, it isn't always just working with me. It's more like manipulating me. But they do it in a way that's gentle and kind and, and in my favor. I may not see or realize the benefits and the gifts that I'm receiving when I'm channeling or when I'm in presence with them. But I know that three weeks, five weeks, a couple months later, there'll be some physical or cerebral benefit from that experience. So you just have to accept it and continue to do the things that you do on a daily basis because after all we're here in the in in the world in this reality right now and i think that our relationship with talos and with beings from other worlds and being on a specific journey or spiritual path is all part of the process of of seeing just how much beautiful reality things there are and this is all part of the beautiful experience and tapestry of life so whether people believe me or not, and I, I'm not like you in some respects. I mean, yeah, I want to help people see our friends from other worlds, but having a ship come down or calling to the sky and having the sky people come down to show you their mode of conveyance uh, is a different thing. And for some members of tribe, it's still a bit scary and a little freaky. And, it has to be something that you really want. So I don't want to force that on anybody. If you're interested and you'd like to meet a species from another world, then yeah, follow what I have to say. Take my advice. Understand CLPT and CLPF. Think about all the things that I've said about clearing your mind and clearing your heart and connecting your mind to your heart. You and I, over the last year, have been giving all sorts of examples to people on how to connect. And that's all we can do because they're going to accept the information any way that they see fit according to their own previous training, according to the way they were raised. So we just try and do our best, but it doesn't affect me if everyone decides to, to not reach out to our friends from other worlds. When I ask people to do that, I am acutely aware of saying the same thing over and over again. So I just really hope people have listened and they use a lot of the tools that we've shared to come to that crossroads, to enter inner earth. And I had an interesting inner earth experience uh, with you. You put up those wonderful images and then I was shown some fabulous images from Toth who downloaded images of a crystal city and pyramids made out of pure quartz crystal that you could see through. 
but you could also walk inside of and become part of. And then you put up that picture of those amazing buildings made of quartz crystal, the giant crystal pyramid in the center, and all the inhabitants dwelling around that region. And I had this really strong connection right away. So as soon as I saw your picture, it went, oh, this is what Toth just showed me a couple of days ago. Yep, Lowell's got it right. There is a city like that. And then we started talking about the crystal crystal form of our own self. The, could we be an entity, a crystalline entity? And I sort of think of, yes, crystalline in thought, crystalline in spiritual nature. And, and what I see in crystals and gemstones is clarity. So the highest form of clarity. And that's what I think a crystalline being is, is the highest form of truth, clarity, and openness that you see through everything around you and everything around you sees through you. And that's what my take on it. That's been good. There's been a lot of clarity lately. Paula, you must have some thoughts. Well, I'm, I'm taking it all in and enjoying it. Uh, I love to hear that um, for me, you know, just like Dave said, I've been on a journey, like what's going on, what is going on, right? And the discovery, and of course it keeps unfolding for me uh, the last 12 years since I started this journey. And I think it'll continue to unfold forever. I think the unfolding of the mystery of life never ends. I never think that there's this aha moment. There might be plateaus where you're like, aha, I understand this now. And then you move on and more questions come. And as more questions come, there's an opportunity to receive. So I love that Dave was talking about these crystal pyramids. And sometimes because we live in a time space linear experience we assume that crystal pyramids aren't here they're somewhere else right and uh very recently one thing that adama has been speaking to me about is to continually use this wonderful powerful uh feature that we have, which is our imagination, because everything that has ever been created or ever will be created comes from the imagination first, and then it's created in the physical world. So I had a wonderful experience recently where I was kind of in that quasi dream state, but it was also remote viewing. It was kind of the remote viewing dream state. And there was this ship and just like a ship that you'd see in the ocean, like one of those several layer ships where people are living, you know, on vacation on several layers. It was a ship like that, but it was completely dilapidated. It was just, you know, the wood was falling apart and you could see that the people living in there were uh, a little bit poorer, right? They, they weren't financially, you know, rich and they were but they were having a great time in there. They were living a great time. And then all of a sudden that ship merged into an image of a gorgeous, beautiful building that these people were still living in. And then it merged back into this dilapidated ship. And so everything that we see, it's from a dimensional perspective. So this talk of this Miami thing, obviously there were enough people that had come together of a certain vibration, 
could that could receive what was already there anyway, right? It's always there is yeah. no anywhere else. There's only here, and there's only different vibrations that we are experiencing based on what where we are vibrating at. Everything is centered around us. What we experience is based on us as individuals. We are our own little universe. And what we see and experience is based on where we are. So in my dream, I was shifting back and forth my vibration of this becoming a dilapidated ship into a gorgeous high-end building. And the people were shifting as well. They were poor and dilapidated people. And then they were very rich and uh, consciously aware people. And they kept shifting back and forth. So... I believe as we just continue on this journey, we're going to see more and more of what is already there. <laughs> We've been saying that for a while. And so here is finally an example that we can point to, to give somebody a frame of reference. You mentioned, and Dave mentioned earlier, the nature of things that are changing. And they're not changing. We are no, changing. My, my interpretation <laughs> of that is <clears throat> everything once is the mental. universe opens the door for us to see some of these extraordinary things that we think that that's where our focus is. My example <clears throat> is before Dave came along and the idea of contact with beyond or sentience, my relationship I wanted to nurture was with the Lemurians and inner earth and understanding that further. That's where I thought I was going. Never did I see the bridge kind of come together. Putting it so, together. You were asking for it without realizing. I, I, yes, you're right. And so was Dave. Dave's perspective always had been his relationship with um, Kim Jim and Toth. And, you know, that family that he had, that he draws from, you just heard him. Uh, respond to an inner earth image that I had produced. And when I say produce it, that channeled through me because you, right. you all know how I feel about being an artist. That was a gift that was given to me so I could illustrate for others what we were going to see. And even Dave was triggered by it. So where we had our own kind of wheelhouses of experiences extraordinary things um even dave's are expanding beyond what he was used to and he can speak intelligently about now he's speaking about this bridging with inner earth and none of this is coincidental all of this is coming together right now when it's supposed to for reasons that you know we have a finite amount of time left in this density in this reality and it has nothing to do with the our frequencies and its contribution to earth's frequencies she's let's say overdue for her shift we're here waiting for that to materialize <clears throat> and our own our vibration only comes into play when it gets to be where she gets where she finally is if we vibrate at that same level just like we've been talking about now we experience all of that around us when we vibrate at the same level 
that's where we're getting. That's why we can speak about these things from higher perspectives because we're straddling dimensions and we can talk about the things that we know and experience. Right. Hopefully that'll help everybody else too. But it's, to me, it's remarkable I how the rest of the tribe brings something else to the table that expands your awareness of everything that's going on. It's no longer the whole cosmic galactic idea of us connecting with everything is just kind of locked into its next phase for me, where I was really comfortable and came to terms with the civilizations and inner earth, why they're there, why attention's being brought to them now again. Um, that held my interest. I was captivated to know more, but there's more to this, the connection to everything. And when we say everything, it's, you know, off the terrestrial plane, things beyond this were also connected to. And so some of us were selected to just kind of push that narrative along the way, hopefully helping to spread the word to everybody else. Our job is to try and help everybody else achieve the same level of awareness that we're at. <laughs> and over the last couple of weeks, I've seen where given the language that we've learned and we've come a accustomed to, that's kind of native to our situation. When we start to talk about that with newbies, we, we went over their head and we even knew when we had started this endeavor that we needed to put it into terms that they would understand. But it's no, when you evolve to those next levels, man, that's your frame of reference and that's where you speak from. So it's hard to kind of tamp it down for the newbies. And then, you know, the decision is, well, do we worry about that or do we continue on our own elevated path or do we stop to help them along the way? Really, those are the choices that we get to make. Yeah. And, and, you know, to me, looking at history, it's not it's not any different than, than all these other quantum leaps that we've made as a, as people like, for example, um, think about the quantum leap to move from, um, you know, horse and buggy to a car. Mm. You know, that's huge. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's huge. And that that's was huge yeah. and probably fought and questioned and look, you know, this can happen, that can happen. And, you know, when the Freemasons were, uh, you know, Knights Templar before they could be out uh, saying these things, talking about what the, you know, we're revolving around the sun, like they had to hide it. They had to hide. And, you know, they'd have been killed or ostracized or lost their job or lost their family or whatever. And I'm like, geez, that's exactly what happened to all these people in the 40s and 50s and 60s when they were talking about UFOs. It's the same crap happening over and over again. But you know what? Guess what else? you got to look back even further. Uh, quantum leaps from being a non-cooperating species. You know, some dinosaurs survived, but the ones that were nasty and weren't working with others and taking too much from from the environment, you know, like the T-Rex and the sauropods, those giant sauropods, they didn't come along, but the sharks did and the alligators did, you know, 
Um, the Neanderthals couldn't make that leap into cooperation of whatever reason, and they, they fell off, right? But some of the genetics still exist in, in our people. Some of them said, oh yeah, I think these people, they might be going a little bit further than mine. I'm going to go ahead and marry into that. Most of them couldn't make the leap. It's the same thing that's going to happen. Let's face it. We are changing genetically. And some people will make the genetic leap and some people won't. It's it's the same. It's I don't see a difference between now and any time in the past, but you know, it, it's the same. So it's like, what side of history are you gonna be on? You decide. There's one distinct <laughs> difference between circumstances then and circumstances now. And it had to do with the, the rest of the Galactic Federation leaving humanity to evolve on their own well we were in that stage you know over eons we were dicked with we were tinkered with our dna was modified and we were not humans with our pure dna blueprints we weren't mm -hmm. then when we demonstrated back during the world wars after we'd already gone through the fall with the lemurians and the result of you know that kind of knowledge of atomic type power and uh, abusing it. Um, when we finally demonstrated back in the forties, we were going to do that again. Here is where the idea that humans were hands off, that we're no longer hands off. Now they're stepping in. Those of us that are coming in and incarnating here came in with the knowledge that that shit's going on. And we came here to stop and arrest it before we repeat it all over again. But Earth is in a cosmic cycle. She's going to have a higher vibration imminently. And that has nothing to do with our ability to kumbaya together. We're just sentient critters living on top of her. She's on her way. We're trying to illuminate that idea so that others are aware of their own frequencies and then determine how it balances with hers. But we're there. Yeah. And policies within everything need to up with it, right? Like everything, how we, how we, like Dave, you and your pies, they're what? Tell me about your pies. Are they, they would be what would move into the future, right? They're good well, for people. They're organic. Yeah, they're made yeah. with love. That's well, you know, that's, that's important. The love aspect's important because anything made in haste has a bad taste. But uh, my pies only have six ingredients. It's ice water, sea salt, flour, fruit, clarified organic butter, and organic unprocessed granulated sugar. And if the fruit is out of season a bit, as it generally is in the winter, I'll put a cup of granulated organic unprocessed cane sugar into the fruit as I'm poaching it. And that helps bump up the, the fruitiness a little. But when you compare one of my pies to something from a grocery store, it's that old adage where, you know, you, if you add 10 cups of sugar to a pie, then it'll taste good. And grocery store pies have to have 10 or more cups of sugar because they have 57 ingredients. And that's the general sort of balance is 57. A lot of agar, agar, gour gum, 
corn starch, high fructose corn syrup, BHA, BHT, TBHQ, sodium benzoate, monosodium glutamate. And some people think that's food. And I have a sneaking suspicion that unless those people wake up, they won't be coming with us. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's really the devil is in the details of how you how you consume. How do you go through your work day? How do you treat others at your work? Right. I mean, when you when you come down to my bakery the next time you're working in L.A., um, we are the only business in Southern California that is 100 percent removed our carbon footprint mm. and that's because we have a huge organic garden that surrounds the bakery we have even gone as far as painting our roof white with six coats of white elastomeric we have uh, all modern equipment that's energy efficient and the ones that are a little older that use gas we offset that by planting plants so the interesting thing is that all the water usage here um aside from the toilet which has to go to the sewer um all of our fruit water runoff uh from rinsing and cleaning fruit that goes into our garden it waters our trees it waters our flowers it waters the palm plants behind me uh we have an active uh established garden that understands how to get along with humankind we've planted a diaspora of indigenous plants as well as some from south america and some from north america but when we decided to when i decided to produce a pie so that breastfeeding mothers wouldn't put toxins into their infant's mouth through her nipple uh it was also very clear to me that the surrounds of the bakery should be a garden not one of those open public places with those giant propane gas flame heaters and a whole bunch of people smoking and drinking and chucking their cappuccinos on the ground and the rest of that crap. We have a large private garden that we use just for the creatures and the critters of this part of the beach. And so we also have the best collection of unique, unique specimens of uh, spiders and uh, praying mantis we have 20 or 30 different types of exotic bird that has always been in southern california we have lizards and snakes we have frogs we have it all because we have a large garden that doesn't use pesticide and it's almost we, sacred space where you are well it it's is sacred space and also mindful it yeah. is a sacred space and also you know i know my california history i've hiked all over california i've been an avid hiker since i was a small boy but I've also had, you know, opportunities to work with indigenous peoples. Uh, Charlie King, who was the last true uh, king of the Chumash people. Uh, he was a friend of mine when I was a little boy, and he hung out with Tippi Hedren and my mom up at the Lion Ranch. And he explained to me that Hermosa Beach and Manhattan Beach and Redondo Beach have very deep sand. And that for many, many millennia, ancient peoples are buried beneath the buildings here in Southern California and the sands shift slowly with time and the pressure from water flow and the pressure from rainfall and the bones may no longer be right below me. They may be two or three miles out underneath the ocean, or they may be two or three or four or five miles back underneath downtown LA at this point. 
but the shifting sands were once the graveyard for many, many hundreds and hundreds of San Bernardino Indians, San Gabriel tribes. And so when I found this place, I knew that there was a sacred ley line and that I should always be very respectful of the spirits that had dwelled on this space many hundreds of years ago when they were in teepees. So I'm pretty fortunate. And so I think even before Kim Jim came to me, I, I opened my bakery up in 2013. So my experience was 2017. In 2013, I was receiving messages, whether I was aware of it or not, that this was a holy place. And so that really helped me with my decision about what type of food I would produce for the public in service of humankind. And I've been serving humankind through nutrition and organic fruit and talking to people about their offspring and evolutionary processes and chemistry for many years. And it's time for me to make a change. I've been doing this in service of others for 11 years, and I don't make any money. I know. I don't do this for money. I make $12,000 a year after I pay all my bills. 12000 I support myself with my own creativity. And this isn't about making money. And it's a very important lesson for all human beings that are listening to this and own a business. If you own a business, you need to make, make sure that it has no impact on the planet, that you leave this planet a better place than it was when you arrived, and that you're doing something good for humanity while you're doing it, as well as the animals. I'm sorry if I sound preachy. So they, thank you for mentioning that, Paula. There is a lot of love, and I try and express it through the, the very ground that we sit on and that percolates up through our reality. So the love from the Native Americans who were once here, I think they're still here. And I think that they see me and that they understand my heart and that they help me with my business and they help me with my garden because I certainly have very interesting communication with the tiny insects the little little tiny spiders and little bees and wasps, they're all very sensitive. They're all very dear, dear little sweet things. And they all communicate in their own way. Before I stop, let me just tell you something. So I have some glass shelves in my front window that I put pottery on or antique glass. And it's pretty when the sun hits it. Well, I noticed there was a little bee stuck in between the back of the window and one of my glass shelves. And he had been there for a day, but his legs were still going slowly. And I took a piece of paper and I gently lifted it up out of the space and got him onto a leaf. And I carried him right out my door next to my front shop area. And there I have a beautiful, beautiful golden dewdrop butterfly bush that was festooned with purple flowers full of pollen and nectar. And I just put the little bee on top of a group of flowers and I watched him and I sent him really good vibes. And I apologized that he got stuck in my window and his little tongue came out and he started drinking nectar. And within an hour, because I kept going back to check on him within an hour, he was shaking himself off and flew away. This is because. Humans have to feel all life. I had no problem spending an hour and a half caring for a bee that anybody else would have just ignored or thrown in the trash. But it's a sacred little animal. 
And so later on, I know that that bee will probably fly up to me later and land on my nose. When we suggest that we're connected to everything, we're not limited to humans. We're connected to everything. Yes. Well, everyone's nodding. Maybe we should just, we can call this a day. I covered what I wanted to cover for today. Uh, but there's certainly more things unfolding as these energies are shifting. Um, and now we've finally got some clear nights. The weather patterns have been crazy across the country. You know, even where I am, they've been uncharacteristically cold and overcast. So looking out in the sky at night hasn't really been an option. But things seem to be clearing the, the fronts. At least the, the sky's clear today. Um, I know that there's some other information I want to achieve, and I certainly want to see what else I can capture in the sky. The conditions just haven't been right. But something is, there's an undercurrent of vibration changes going on that I wish I could articulate more on. All I can tell you is that I feel it happening. Um, and it's crazy. My senses for feeling things are at an all-time high. And all five of my senses kind of take a backseat to that sensation I feel now. Kind of like a chill. I, every once in a while, I'll look at some of the reels that are on Instagram, and you see these car crashes. And for a long time, I feel them. I can't watch them anymore because I understand what the sensation of your skin scraping across blacktop feels like. And I, ugh, I, I can't watch that anymore. But that just, it gets greater. Fortunately, I spend more time watching things that bring me joy, like America's Got Talent. So when that, that sensation overtakes you, and you start to emit tears of joy because that person that just shared their gift was, was so amazing. You can't help but just feel what they left on the stage. It was amazing. Um, so <laughs> all the more reason to be mindful about what you take in because look at how it'll make you feel. Yeah. Sounds good to me, man. Sounds great. Hey, Paul, it was nice seeing you today. Is anybody else here? I didn't know we had other guests on. Just three, the three of us today. Oh, right on. Uh, Paula, when do you think you'd be down in this area? I don't know. I'm heading to Dallas for work next week. Um, I don't know. I do need to make I do need to make it there. I do. There's some stuff I need to get done, and I need to come see you. Like an equal need is there. Sweet. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Well, listen, Lowell, what a pleasure to see you guys this morning, Paul. I'm glad that you were here. I was so afraid that it was just going to be the voice of David Wallace all morning. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. Well, I could not show up. I could not show great. up. Great. Great. All right, guys. God bless you. God bless you. Take care. See you Bye. soon. Take care. Have a great weekend, gang. Thank you, Lowell.